All right, all right. Welcome back to the Life Without Limits podcast. I'm your host, Yogi Raw. Thanks for all the love, the notes, reviews, ratings, sharing of this podcast. It's been a blast, and it is a blast right now because that's right. It's college football. We are here. It is happening. It is game week, and you've already listened to part one of a conversation with Ariel Joseph Town. Now, Ariel is the feng shui master who's been on Dr. Oz, he's been in a bunch of publications, worked with a bunch of A-listers, um, and Joe is a successful actor in Los Angeles. And we talked about his story, his path, his love of storytelling, and how he's morphed these two careers into one, and how he's thriving right now. Well, to pick up from where the conversation ended, we literally went to work on my place, and it was around 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and I thought we'd be done at 7, we'd go to a yoga class, and call it a night and literally when you hear this podcast it's after 10 o'clock at night and we just spent about six hours just going to work on my place and it wasn't just move the couch you know get rid of a book change your clothes it was literal work and joe he, he asked so many impressive questions and he started from the beginning of saying all right yogi 1.0 move to la 2.0 for instance move to venice beach what's 3.0 look like and I had to really get honest with those things. And I think specifically for guys, like we move into places and we don't really care what anything looks like. And my place wasn't a dump at all, but it didn't have a lot of purpose. And what Joe did when he walked in is that he challenged everything that I had on the walls, on a table, on the fridge, in a bookshelf, whatever it was for its purpose, for its reason, because there is an energy associated with it. And what, what I loved about it and basic fundamental feng shui is that you can do one of three things. You can either get rid of things, you can move things around, or you can get a bigger space. But no matter what, you're dealing with space and recreating it. So we went to work and recreated, moved things all over, all some pictures on the blog. But what I love is that everything now in my place has a purpose. So a quick story before we get to the podcast. I have a bunch of trinkets from my travels. And if you follow me at all or, or get, got to know me, I love to travel. And he would ask me, and they were all over my place, and in an organized fashion too. And he'd say, what is this one from? And for instance, he said, that was from one of my first trips to South America. He goes, well, what does it do for you anymore? And I said, well, I can't even really remember kind of when I got it, what it was like. And he goes, well, then it's just taking up space. Maybe it's time to get rid of it. And I said, I don't know if I want to get rid of it. He goes, well, why don't we give it away? So I literally have this box of stuff in my place where I put little notes on. They would say, hey, I got this on my first trip to Chile or my first trip to South America. And I hope it inspires you to go explore somewhere around the world. And I've been leaving them around Venice Beach. And I know it sounds super weird and, you know, hippy-dippy, but point being, there's purpose to everything. And I think even as a competitor, as an athlete, the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you act, the way you train, the way you prepare, there's a purpose to everything. And sitting down with Joe and going through this process is a great reminder that everything in life we do has an action, has a reaction. So everything we do should be done with purpose. And uh, I don't think that is something that should be overbearing, but something that is very real. And I got to say, it's been about eight weeks since we swayed my place, and there's been a ton of shifts in my life. So I think you'll enjoy it. It's totally an inside look at my life. And look, I, I told you from day one of this podcast, um, I don't really have any walls, any barriers. So I want to let you in. I don't know if you like it. I don't know if you hate it. But either way, take a listen. Let me know what you think. And I hope you get to enjoy this as Ariel Joseph Town takes us into part two after I get my place schwayed. So here's to getting schwayed. Joe Town and myself, Life Without Limits podcast. Okay. Well, uh, we said you'd get part two of <laughs> Life Without Limits <laughs> podcast. Here with Ariel Joseph Town. And, uh, oh, you're getting it. <laughs> Bro. So so we it, to pick up, 
Um, if you've listened to part one, well, we went through uh, elements of Joe's story. We talked about you as a performer. Mm-hmm. We talked about you as a friend. We talked about you as a feng shui master. And then we said, all right, we're going to put it to the test. Now, just to give a little reference, that was around 4 o'clock in the afternoon, maybe? I think so, yeah. And now it's 10 PM? I think so, yeah. So I didn't think it would take that long. <laughs> We had an 8.30 yoga class that was scheduled to go down. Missed that one. Joe, that was, that was magic, man. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm usually decent at these interviews. Like, I, I'm, kind of a, I'm kind of all over the place, you know. <laughs> so, so put it in, I want to put it in context. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll say what I think happened, and then you tell me what really happened, I guess. So okay. we sat down. You asked me a bunch of questions to kind of level set what I want out of my place, Mm -hmm. the energy I want out of the place, the intentions I have in different areas, what each area represents. And meanwhile, it seems like you're putting together this mental playbook, a map of sorts about, okay, this area is for travel, this area is for love, this area is for family. Like You kind of just went to work and then... uh, then you started asking me these questions, like you knew all, you already knew the answers, and you were kind of guiding me there. And uh, and okay, well, number one, my place is completely turned upside down, which is amazing. <laughs> so it looks great, it feels great, but like, we did some work. I, I don't know, we did some work, man. Like, can you can you give a way better summary than that? <laughs> I think you did great. I mean, it's always so fascinating to hear like what did people experience? You know, <clears throat> I think you nailed it. What what we did is we held up a mirror to your home and we said like, what is your home saying in the world? Like, what is the art saying? What is the way you have it set up and and what the purpose of it for saying? Like the areas that might be a little cluttered, the areas that might be craving a little more space. Like each of those areas relate to a different part of your life. And there's this phrase in feng shui, what's going on in your space is going on in your life. So what we just did is we, move the perspective. We shifted furniture from one place to another for very specific reasons. In fact, we started with the big ticket items, right? Like where does the big furniture go? Where, what is the focus of the room? We moved TVs around. We moved furniture around, right? We discussed art. We discussed minute details. We discussed the kind of books that you're curating in certain parts of your space. And the whole point of that was my goal with you was for every part of your space to feel intentional so that everything was placed on purpose and with purpose. Because when you do that, it's almost like everything in your home is a cheerleader mm-hmm. and it's helping guide you. You know, you're guiding you from now you to then you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> future. You. Well, not, I agree totally. But I, I think if someone just hears that, they're mm-hmm. like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Everything has purpose in life. And look, I say it as a quarterback. The way you walk, the way you talk, everything you do counts. Yeah. Okay, the way you position things in your your apartment or your home counts or your car or whatever you do. But to me, what we did is we found we, we process things. Mm-hmm. You know, so for instance, if anyone's been to my home or you just know anything about me, you know that I love to travel. And as a child, I had been taught, okay, Yogi, on your trip, don't go get another cup of coffee. Don't get the baguette. If you only have two bucks, save it and get something that will remind you of this place. Mm. And my parents had done that. So if you go to my house in Dalton, Pennsylvania, my friends would joke that it's like a museum. Like there's just all this stuff that you don't know if you want to touch, but it's got all this story to it. And my house had 
it become purposeful with that stuff. It's not like there's tchotchkes everywhere, but there was some fun stuff from 29, 30 different countries. Yeah. And I really was connected to those because they did a lot for me. But what you did is you were like, yeah, you'll get, you're right. Like you're always connected with that, mm-hmm. but do you need to have that here? And to me, that was like step one of like, holy shit, this is not just rearranging my apartment and right. having some good vibes. Right. Yeah, we did work. And, you know, the process and the journey is so much of this, which is why it's hard for me to say this is how long it'll take, <laughs> which is why we actually did the work together instead of me just writing out a prescription and be like, hey, go through those books. Right. See what you don't need. Because our conversation around your space actually started several months ago. I came over. We did a quick walkthrough. We talked about the idea of making space. I told you about my experience with the uh, amazing book, you know, the Marie Kondo book. Everyday magic of tidying up. We talked about the principle of like only surround your stuff with stuff that sparks joy. A lot of people are talking about that now, right? So between then and now, you've been doing purging. You cleaned your floors. Like you went and like went through things and combed through them. And you got, it's like you shook the tree and whatever leaves and fruit fell off. Today we were doing pruning. (laughs) Like really we were saying, okay, if this is what's left, how much of this stuff is because you love it? How much of it is because you use it? How much of it is because it's beautiful? And how much of it is sentimental? How much of it is part of who you are? And where you're going. That's what it felt like. Like it felt like, like I think if you, one, if you coach sports or are an actor, let's just take our careers. Like you get a lot of scripts probably, right? And they help you. You can reread them or you can use them in your class. Mm -hmm. For me, it's playbooks. I mean, I got playbooks from... My, over 15 years ago when I'm playing a pit. Yeah. Well, what is that really doing now? It's taking up space. It's giving you a great memory, but is it moving you forward? And and that was like a really cool takeaway. And then I was conflicted as the documentarian in me of like, well, thank God my dad had all these pictures because we used it in Life in a Walk or film or I, I want to make sure I have these things just for images. or. But to go through that process, like that was the work that went done. Like the moving a couch was great and it feels bigger and the walls are whiter or whatever. But I mean, it was real intentional work around like the most intimate thing, which is where you reside, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and we talked about this image of a tree, right? And rings on a tree. Your neighborhood is the, the first ring. You know, like as you start coming home, you pick up on like, this is where I live. This is my vibe. You always talk about it. You love walking these canals. You love being out here. You love the proximity to the beach. I remember when I lived in Playa, driving home, I'd roll down, this pickup truck, roll down the windows, let the air in. My whole energy shifted when that happened. It's like, that's the outer ring, your community, where you're planted. Then you start coming up the front walk and you start noticing like, do I feel welcome? Like, can I find the place? Then you move inside. And you've got art on the walls. And then you move closer to like, where do I spend the most time? And then you move closer and it's like, what am I wearing? Like, what am I thinking? What am I eating? Who am I spending time with? And that's the whole reason for the inner feng shui book. Because I don't think you can do one without the other. The whole reason for life coach and feng shui is it's outside in and inside out. And you meet somewhere in the middle. I just don't, like, if we just move things externally... I would feel like there'd be a counter wave that you'd experience later where you'd go through some inner shifts. And if we just did a bunch of inner work over a period of time, I feel like eventually you'd say, "Mm, my space is no longer reflecting 
who I am and how I feel in the world. So you'd make external changes to replicate how you were now feeling inside. And I feel like tonight we did both. We yeah. move stuff outside, we move stuff inside, and it's going to settle. And it's, it's going to be really cool to see what happens next. I'm really excited for that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to take them inside a little bit into the process. Because, um, cool. again, it, I'm as, I, I think I'm a very open guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched a bunch of your videos on feng shui, your interviews, and tried to repair as much as I could. And there's still this very, like, prior to doing it, like, it's kind of out there. Like, oh, and, and you want to make sure you get your vibe right. And, you know, mm-hmm. you, like, mm-hmm. you can see the Saturday Night Live skit, right, of feng shui. Totally. But when you're in it, um, it's kind of like anything. Like, anything that you do as an individual, you want to have a real reason of why you do it. Whether it's why do you ask somebody out on a simple date? Mm-hmm. Why do you ask them to marry you? Why do you spend money on anything as simple as a pair of jeans to a painting? Or or what do you put in your body from a food standpoint, nutrition standpoint? And yeah. to me, that's where it like hit home of like, yeah, you don't just put stuff up. Like you don't just stack books. Like does that book have a purpose? Maybe its purpose was 10 years ago or five years ago. And I struggle with that of like, I had like a personal note from my dad and a couple of them that, you know, ended up getting rid of because we talked about all right, it gave you everything it could. That's inside of you. Why do you need it? Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, to, to take you literally upstairs in my place, we you broke down like the four areas that we were going to kind of characterize, I guess you would say, and it was the canals slash the ocean. Mm-hmm. It was traveling, which was the opposite wall, mm-hmm. right? It was family mm-hmm. and family, and it was like love, right? Those are... Pretty much the f- yeah, I think we we talked about football and yeah. art and making movies and yeah, like family and love, community. Right. Yeah, family, community, Venice and the ocean, traveling and football. Yeah. And uh and creation of stories. Like yeah. But I never thought of that. Ever. And I don't know if anybody does. If you looked at your apartment and said, Okay, north is this way, south is this way, east is this way, west is this way, like where did where did that come from? Hmm. And if you can dive into the nine areas that you kind of prescribe, I think it would lay a really cool foundation. Yeah. So those four directions, you know, there are a lot of different schools of thought on feng shui. I don't practice the school where they're, we're literally talking about the direction of Northeast. Mm. I use that because it seemed like those were the themes that you were talking about. You would talk about the people that were most important in your life. And I'd look up and I'd see in your fridge or I'd see a inscription on a book and I've seen your documentary and I know how important family is to you and your community and the people you care about. So that's like a whole important direction. And I think then it needs to be represented in your home. So we were looking for a wall, like where do we put family pictures? How do we celebrate that? Where is your community represented? And then we started talking about like travel in Venice and we can look out the window and actually see it. You can smell the ocean air coming in through the window. So it's like celebrating that. You know, and celebrating that vision you have, the, the vision of um, your life and what it's about, what its purpose is. So like right above the window where we could see the canal, we talked about putting some kind of imagery that represents that, like what's most important to you. And then we talked about travel because you've got globes and maps and you've got pictures from the, you know, the Santiago de Compostela and um, different adventures you've been on that you want to put up on your walls to celebrate. 
And then I know that on a daily basis, you're telling stories and you're helping break down football. So like being an actor, being a writer, being a storyteller, that's a whole direction, which is why we're going to project that action. <laughs> yeah, no more TV wall. anymore. We got a projector. It's so exciting. I can't wait to see what happens. And we moved that TV. We didn't let go completely. We made it for your office downstairs. So now you actually have a larger screen to break down film, right? Yeah. So we tried to use as much of the stuff as you actually have and just repurpose it. So I, I think I mentioned to you in terms of process that um, there's only three ways to have more space. The first is to get rid of stuff. The second is to move things around and maybe um, organize them in a way that seems to create more space. And the third way is to get a bigger space. So I checked in with you, like, how close are we to a bigger space? You're like, it's coming, but not now. And then we talked about, like, okay, well, are there any things we can let go of? And we found a few, and some of them are meaningful. So you're not just going to dump them. You're actually going to have some kind of a cathartic process. Which is going to be awesome. I'm so excited (laughs) for you know, like graceful goodbyes, you know, and then the rest was moving stuff around and organizing. And yeah, it visually, um, I, I, you know, I'm so excited for you to experience it and see how it, uh, you know, feels over time. So that, that first layer were like the four things most important to Yogi. That was that thing you were talking about. The second part is feng shui talks about these different parts of our life, right? Career, skills and knowledge, family, prosperity, fame and reputation, relationships, creativity, benefactors and travel, and health. There's these nine different areas in feng shui. Some of them have like different principles in the same area. So I not just said more than nine words. But what was so cool for me was realizing like I've been living a purposeful life for a long time. I would focus on some part of my life and that part of my life would improve or get better or I'd see cause and effect. But I felt like at a certain point, I was like one of those videos about a puppy chasing his tail. Like I'd focus over here and my career would start going and all of a sudden I'd forget about relationships. And then all of a sudden I'd start relationships and money would disappear. (laughs) And then all of a sudden I'd be like, oh, I should focus on my health. And then my career would start to wane. And I realized what happens if I conceive of and aim at the whole thing? If it's true, we get what we aim at. What if we aim at the whole picture? So you and I talked about those different nine areas of life and we talked about Yogi 2.0 and we talked about Yogi 3.0. And it's like, what are you stepping into? Because look, I have to learn you. We talk about relationship-based organizations. Learn the learner, right? I have to learn you. I have to learn where you're going so I can purposefully as an art form design your plan for you. This is not cookie cutter, right? So there's no like one way to eat a Reese's. No, it was great. And I, I thought that was, uh, you know, you kind of led with that. Okay. Yogi 1.0. Um, and that was like me in Hermosa beach, right? My first eight years in California was awesome. 2.0 was like, okay, I got to get out of there. It was great for what it was. Time to move to Venice. 3.0 was where we were now. And I had never been asked, okay, so what does that look like? Okay. I, I know what it looks like calling football games. I can tell you that. Like it's calling the Rose bowl, calling the national championship game. Like that's, I can tell you what that vision is, but yeah. I couldn't tell you what my living room looked like. Mm. I couldn't tell you anything, you know. Um, it was it was an incredible question, man. And yeah, no, I, I can't th- I can't thank you enough for that. So okay, so let's so so now we're upstairs. We knocked that out. Um, the kitchen was fascinating for me. Um, we, we broke it up into basically two areas, two and a half areas, kind of to a degree. Mm-hmm. And one was basically where you can thrive, right? So we put um, 
we have family, but we also put like my, some of my travel money over there in that little area. And that was really cool for me to kind of go through that process. And then the other, it was cluttered with um, travel trinkets. Mm. And you're like, okay, what, what, are these, what do these do for you? And I started telling you these stories about each one. And you're like, can you imagine if you gifted those away with that story in it? And I'm going to do it, you know, and by the time this airs, it might have already been done. I don't know if we're letting the cat out of the bag, but, um, but literally there's a, a little like, uh, hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil, you know, the three monkeys. And I remember where I got it. And I'm going to write that note and I'm going to gift these things. I don't, I don't know where all over Venice, the canals, who knows where, but it was a great point. And I'm not telling you that to, to just tell the ant that. And it's a dote, <laughs> but I am telling you that too. Um, I think for people when they get rid of stuff, I loved what you said about being super purposeful with not only where you place things, but how you say thank you and how you say thank you for what they gave you and then gift it to somebody else. And the easy relatable one is a book. We've all done it. I read this. This is amazing. Yeah. It's for you. But there's there's so many other things that we have and mm-hmm. goodwill we give clothes to, but yeah, man, that, that was really cool because traveling is as close to, to my heart as, I mean, it's in it. It's me. Yeah, and I think, you know, we're, we're talking about the part two, which is, hey, maybe we should make some space here. But it really came from the part one where you said, look, I, I love the idea of bringing home something for my travels to symbolize my travels. And the last few travels I had, I didn't bring anything home. Mm. It's like, I have so much stuff. What do I need? And it's true. Like, we're, we're pretty lucky and fortunate. You know, like, what do we really need? But the fact that you seem to be longing to be able to bring something home, it was like, oh, okay, maybe we need to make space for that thing. Not just letting go of stuff, but making space for. It's like purposeful decluttering. Right. And though sometimes, you know, it's like about cleaning up the house. Cleaning up the house can be a chore. But if you all of a sudden reframe it, if you all of a sudden thinking about like, I am now cleaning my house to make it feel good so I can go out in the world and do my business and I can draw in to my life situations, thoughts, people that I want to be in relationship with and in harmony with. Then I have like meaning to the cleaning. Yeah. Okay. So we went downstairs to my office, I guess you could say. Yeah. And this is like, I love this area. This is where I watch football and film and everybody has a little office in their, uh, in their heart apartment or home, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's just a spot on the couch or whatever, you bring your laptop and you you reframed the daylights out of that. And you asked me like super poignant questions about, okay, uh, look at it like it's a tree and the rings of the tree. Okay, what do we need within arm's reach? Like, is it a stapler? You know, is it a certain book? Is it, and I, I don't know, man. That I think that was, uh, that was magical because I wasn't going to go get a um, storage unit because I have all this football stuff. So we just had to replace it. Yeah. H- how did you get there with that? And I, I guess, how did you guide me there? Well, you know, the first thing is we think about what is the purpose of that space and command central for you is being able to break down film, being able to listen to the podcast, being able to watch footage. So we talked about where you want to sit. We talked about what do you want to look at when you're working? What do you not want to look at? So we figured out the big piece first. And then, like you said, rings in a tree, right? So like, what do you need to have nearby? Like what's active? Is it, um, having paper for the printer? Is it having, you know, things on the wall that represent philosophy that means something so much to you? Is it about having the equipment for your podcast or, you know, drives that have stuff you're editing? 
So like those were the most important things that felt like they were nearby. And the, the, as a result, it was like we were playing that game of memory you play as a kid where you put lemons with lemons and candy canes with candy canes. Like we took the stuff that you didn't need to have within arm's reach and we found a home for it. Some places we made a home for it. We took furniture that was upstairs and put it downstairs in a recessed nook and like gave you a storage option. Like you were talking about maybe going to Staples and we're like, hey, maybe we can find something here. And we did. And so the idea was like, let's keep everything that you need in your space, like your reference library of all your plays, right. you know, and being able to like slide your chair over four feet and grab it isn't <laughs> the end of the world. Right. Whereas driving to a storage unit would be a pain. What I what I loved about it, and and I, I think if you're listening to this, you're like, okay, cool, dude. Like, I could care less where your playbooks are. And, and we all have, quote-unquote, playbooks. We all have our stuff. But what I loved is philosophically, you were like, okay, what do you want this room to literally represent? Yeah. You know, okay, it's got a poster from Life in a Walk. Okay, cool. Like, that was a big burden for me to, to let go of because I never put it up in my place. And finally, I was like, I'm so stoked about this. Like, I want it up. It represents... Mm a story that I am in love with and future stories that I want to tell and going through that process of philosophically. Okay. What else do you want? Well, I want a a letter from my dad, a letter from John Wooden, like a picture from playing and they were all so purposeful. Mm. Um, so yes, on one hand, it's so cool to have the things that you need nearby and we all get that, but it it reshaped the entire energy of it, uh, based on, okay, what, what do you want to feel when you're down here? And, Mm. Outside of, I just want to nerd out and watch football. Well, one of the mantras that I always hear is energy follows thought. And so being really purposeful about what you want to look at, what words you want to see, like what do you want to experience here? That's going to cultivate the energy in you and for others. And energy is such like, it's like a mystical term, right? And a lot of people think of energy, but if it's the end of an equation, it might be what you picture times the emotion and feeling that equals this energy. Right. And you know, there's energy that accumulates over time from the things that you do. Like you said, like, Hey, this is my work area. I don't meditate here. I meditate in other parts of the apartment, but that's an accumulation of different kinds of energy. But what we were doing was really like taking a jackhammer and purposefully carving out the next purpose over the next period of time. And I know it's hard without the visual sometimes to sort of picture what it is we're talking about, but, um, Purposeful design, energetic design. Like that's what to me feng shui is all about. So let's go to the bedroom, shall we? And I think, uh, this was, this was great. And, uh, I got no problem going there on this one. Um, you walked in and I've lived here three years. There's nothing on the walls. I'm pumped. I just got new sweet sheets and like a duvet. I think that's what they call it. Like for the first time I got like real big kid bedding, you know, Mm -hmm. And I'm a simple dude. Like, I could sleep on the floor all night long. Um, really not that big of a deal. But you, you walked in. You said, ah, interesting. And I, I thought I knew where you were going. And you go, <laughs> one white, one nightstand, huh? And I was like, yeah, he's probably going to say, well, if you want to attract, like, a wife here, like, you might want to have two. And I was ready for that line. Yeah. And we've talked about that before. And you said, well, one, one, one nightstand means a lot of one-night stands. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious, man. And I'm not that I'm like claiming the, to be the king of one night stands at all on this podcast, but um, I, I thought when you went to, into the bedroom um, and you made that assessment, um, and then we just kept going deeper and deeper into that space, 
I thought it was amazing. I mean, you, you said this is going to be your sanctuary. Mm-hmm. You know, if, and you asked me what a bedroom means. Mm-hmm. I talked about the sanctity of a bedroom. I talked about the intimacy of a bedroom. And nothing in my bedroom necessarily <laughs> screams, let alone whimpers. It's a sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't know, man. What, it, you've been in a lot of different bedrooms. You yeah. know, hello. It's a, it's a perk and a curse of <laughs> right. what I do. Um, do you see that a lot? What, what did you see and, and go as open as you want? Yeah. So every space has unique challenges to it. And, you know, I, I, my main philosophy is don't break what isn't broken. So I'm not coming in trying to poke holes in somebody's life. My first impression of your room was like, Hey, it feels like an upscale hotel room. You know, it's very clean. Like you purposely got your sheets and duvet there wasn't a lot of stuff, right? But it, it, that's the downside of a hotel room is it's not very personal, right? And so you you seemed to be longing in Yogi three point to like have somebody to share all these great adventures with, and so in acting we always say act as if it's already happening. So some of the suggestions you were right did come around to hey maybe get another bedside table so that somebody can put a glass of water down or couple of you know candles or something like that but the idea was like this is a blank canvas what do you want to put on it and if the bedroom is a sanctuary it's also intended for romance so we did you know a little bit goes a long way right little splash of color little idea about artwork maybe bringing in some some candles or fresh flowers like if you were welcoming someone in what experience would you want them to have and i think as soon as you sort of flipped from like what do i need into how would I like to host someone? All of a sudden, wheels started turning. And we came up with a couple of specific suggestions that were tailored to like, yeah, that feels good. Like that's an image that feels like it would be good on my wall. And like that's something that would be nice and practical to have on the other side. Right. And like, oh, cool. Like there's an energy to color. Cool. Maybe right. I'll have a splash of it. I think as like a... As, I don't want to speak on behalf of men, and maybe you can either agree or disagree with this because you've done this for a lot of different men, I'm sure. Um, our bedroom is like a place to crash. Mm. Like it's not necessarily like, okay, I'm going to put all this thought and time into it. Take a, uh, for instance, a lot of the women I know, their bedrooms have 10 million pillows on it, <laughs> right? And it's got all this stuff, and it's got the candles, and the da-da-da-da-da. And for dudes, it's more like, yeah, man, like whatever, like I'll burn a candle once in a while, and that's cool. Yeah. But it, it is pretty pathetic that we don't put any thought into the key element that allows life to continue to move on because you need a partner, and you start the family, and all this stuff that both men and women have insecurities about but secretly want, whether they say it or not. and. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's a, a thing with a lot of guys, or am I just the guy that has like the three star hotel <laughs> bedroom? No, dude. I, I think like it's not just limited to men and women having those. I think those are archetypes. Yeah. And I've, I've seen women that have a lot of pillows, but sometimes they have too many pillows. And sometimes like they have entire Beanie Baby collections and they don't <laughs> understand why they're single. So like you can have clutter, you can have space, and you can end up with the same result. Um, I often notice people have these different, I call them bedroom diseases and they're diseases because you can clear them up, but they're definitely affecting your experience in there. So for some people, their work crashes into their bedroom space. They start bringing in the laptop and the files and stack of books and iPads and things that light up and 
stuff that has nothing to do with sleep or sex and they bring them in there and it changes the energy of the bedroom when that happens. My wife and I have a technology free bedroom. Like we barely have Himalayan rock salt lamps. We have an alarm clock, but we don't have stuff plugged in in there. And you know, every once in a while, if she's got sniffles, she's like, Oh, I really wish we had a thing in here, but like we can bring in a laptop for that night or we can go chill out in the guest bedroom and pretend we're in a hotel. (laughs) Right. You know? So that's like one of the bedroom diseases. I've also noticed people sometimes feel like they live in a walk-in closet. There's shoes in the back of the door. There's suitcases everywhere. There's dry cleaning. It's like their suitcase exploded. It's like you're living in a closet. And then there's other people that, you know, have, it feels like they're a cloistered nun, right? They've got something spiritual on the wall, one bedside table, a stack of spiritual Zen books. There's other people that have gym equipment, Tybo tapes and stretchy bands and the elliptical, like a gazelle in the corner. And I'm like, cool, like you need a place to put that stuff. But what does that have to do with what the bedroom's for. Right. It's like any, and other people end up bringing other creatures in there, you know? Right. Like babies for a period of time makes sense. Some people sleep with their animals. It's like a pack. And that works for them. Great. Like no judgment. But the whole point of the bedroom is uh, you need a place to decompress. And, you know, we talked about some of the science of it. Like you said, some light was coming in from outside. And, you know, there are studies that talk about how that'll affect your hormones. And the blue light in your screen will make your brain think it's time to wake up. And, you know, we feel the cell phone tower and the satellite or dish or the direct TV dish. Like we feel the Wi-Fi stuff, even if we don't see it. Right. So all that stuff is just too stimulating. And if the point of the bedroom is rest and relaxation and recharge so that we can fill up our tank and give to other people from overflow, then that stuff's in the way of that. Right. So as dudes, like a lot of times I just have to like hold up a mirror and be like, do you mean these gym socks to be there? Because the fragrance is kind of crazy, <laughs> you know, and I think you're right. Like call the guys to the carpet. We, we sometimes are a little lazy. My grandfather would be very disappointed in our generation. He used to always talk to me about grandma manners, standing mm. up, holding open the door, being, you know, at least on some level chivalrous and thoughtful and considerate. And in, a, in an era of swiping left, like, I just don't know where that stuff happens. I don't know what's going on with guys. And I feel like a lot of guys downplay and try to diminish in an effort to not be hurt. I've definitely gone through stages of that. But, you know, we get what we put out there. So I know what I was seeking. And when I realized that, I made a different effort. And look, my style may not be what my girlfriend at the time or my now wife's style is, but at least we made an effort. Right. You know? So I think somewhere between the stark white hotel room and the overcluttered bed with the multiple pillows is probably the answer. And for each their own, you know. A couple more. Um, when we went to the bathroom yeah. and then we came upstairs mm-hmm. and looked at anywhere there was water, mm-hmm. you brought down a spool of red tape. I, I love that. I mean, I grew up in a household where anytime um, I went to do something that was quote unquote big, or I was going to a game or broadcasting a game, my mom would always hang the phone up with a final line, make sure you put something red in your pocket. Mm. And I was, I was like, okay, cool. I don't know if it was the Kabbalah or like what it was, right? And uh, and you bring down this <laughs> spool of tape, and I'm like, okay, what's he got? Expl- explain that, please. Yeah, so I, I just want to preface this a little bit, because for somebody listening in, like, big spool of red tape, what does that have to do? Um, I think I said to you at the time, 90% of what I do is going to be practical, logical, and make sense, like common sense. 
this is the point where we leave that behind. And we now move into uh, a little bit of a leap of faith. And there are certain things in feng shui that seem a little out there. When my feng shui master was telling me to do them, some of them were simple. And so I thought, well, I can either resist this or I can try it and see what happens. And I'm really curious, man. So I like, I just followed all of it. I was like, you know, how hard is it to go get some duct tape? At the time, it was actually red ribbon. It was a later feng shui consultant who's like, I only use red duct tape. So what I did is I brought down red duct tape and the same principle that your mom used to have. Good luck for your pocket. Like red is a very powerful color. It has an energy to it. It's used for stop signs. It's used to get our attention. Energy follows thought. So the idea was there's an energy and it's called different things in different cultures. Some people call it chi. Some people call it ki. Some people call it mana. Some people call it prana. Some people call it the Holy Spirit. Some people think of it like the force in Star Wars. It's a life force energy. It's alive. And, you know, for those people who spend time in nature, you feel it, right? So this life force energy is all around us. It's all around our home. It's all around us. Like Obi-Wan Kenobi said, you know, it surrounds us. It penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together. So it's there. And our home is supposed to be an amplifier of that life force energy. But what happens is due to clutter, due to dark corners, due to drains, that energy doesn't, isn't able to spend any time with us. It comes in and it goes out as quickly as it comes in, or it comes in and goes down the drain. Now, this is an out there concept. I don't know how we measure this, but when my feng shui master said, put red tape underneath the sink on the pipes as an effort to keep the good energy in and let the waste go out, it made certain sense to me. And I thought, well, let me try it. And dude, sometimes I've done it and I feel differently afterwards. I feel like this warmth up my spine. It's the only way I can describe it. it the energy has shifted when I feel that warmth up my spine. So I try it. It's one thing that we do. And like I told you, things don't have to be seen in feng shui to work. But part of its symbolism, part of its energy, and part of it is that these traditions, these ancient traditions have something to teach us. So when I got excited about feng shui the most was taking it out of the origins of China and learning that India had an Ayurvedic form of feng shui called Vastu and learning that like you can go to New York public library and see lions on either side. <clears throat> and in Chinatown, they call them foo dogs. And in some people's homes, they have a mezuzah and you go to Notre Dame, Notre Dame cathedral. They have like gargoyles guardians at the gate was universal. I saw it in culture after culture. And so the idea that like my friend's, uh, Jewish grandmother used to put something into her dress lining as a way of good luck. And, 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 you know, whether it's a Kabbalah string or whether it's uh, paint your front door red because it's a feng shui thing, you know, I like that tradition. So if the tradition works for you, try it. If it doesn't work for you, let it go. Find something else. Something that really uh, worked for me and, and was, was magic, man, was uh, kind of our final phase. Right. Um, I'd like to explain the purpose of it. Uh, first, we took five crystals and we went around to the five different areas in my place mm -hmm. and we blessed them. You said a mantra um, and I kind of meditated on a thought around that. And after we did that, which, by the way, was phenomenal. I mean, I was so connected to those thoughts. Um, they were crystal clear visions. And we came upstairs and uh, you gave a final prayer. And within that prayer, you asked me to let go, you know, just whatever had I had processed, um, any hardships, anxiety, issues, stress, whatever, just let it go. 
And then you said, breathe in um, all the good stuff and all the good opportunity and all the life that's coming your way. And when we went through that, man, it was a, it was a visceral feeling like I've never had. You know, I've done the, the lonely work on who am I, my style, vision, theme, vision, how do I want to approach life. I've done that work and continue to do that work and meditate on that work. But I don't think I, I know I had not necessarily gone through the process of literally just letting go the simplest of frustrations to the, the big ones. And you are saying this prayer, and it's like my last couple of years, call it like Yogi 2.0. I went like fast, like rewind, and then fast forward and just let everything go and could see it so clearly from relationships to jobs to you name it, good times, bad times, um, and everything in between. Um, I just, it, it was heavy. Mm. Awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. So yeah, I, I don't. I, I mean, I know I just kind of ranted there, but yeah. um, what is the purpose behind the close of Feng Shui? Because we went through what five, six hours of it. Yeah. Um, what? Yeah. Explain that. So I think you know the the idea was that we were going to do three stages tonight. The first stage is we were going to check in and say, where are you in relationship to where do you want to go, right? So we were talking about the vision, the journey. Where are you going? Then we moved some stuff around and we took some action. And we decided, okay, well, let's see if we can actually change the energy of the space by decluttering and, and moving some stuff around. And this last part was, in some ways, ringing the bell and letting the, the, the chi police know that, like, school's in session. Mm-hmm. And on an energetic level, we did two things. The first thing we did is we placed energy cures you know, a cure is something to balance the energy of a space. So a crystal can be used for a lot of different things. Um, the simplest way to describe what they're for is, let's say, acupuncture for your home. It's like a, a way of activating a certain part of your space. So we placed one in where you sleep, where you work, where you relax, where you prepare food, where you get ready in the morning. Five important areas, right? And five has been a recurrent theme right. in a lot of the things we've been doing tonight. So the second part of it is a ritual. And the ritual, in some ways, is a prayer. In some ways, it's a visualization. In some ways, it's a meditation. In some ways, it's a blessing. And my goal is to help the person become fully present in their space now and to let go of anything, body, mind, and spirit, that might be keeping them from being present. So we did things on the physical level. We did things on the mental level. And now we're doing things on the spiritual or energetic level. And I rang a bell. You know, it's like one of the tools that I use. <clears throat> I don't really know the science behind how it works. I can't wait to meet some people that can help me have insight how it actually works. All I know is what it's done for me. I know what I experience when I go through it. It feels mystical. It feels magical. It feels powerful. All the words you described were right on. And basically the idea is to break up old patterns of energy. So I asked you to visualize two things, the breath going out and the breath coming in. The tide going out, the tide coming in, letting go of what was no longer serving you. Situations, thoughts, and people that are no longer serving you, let the energy of that just wash away with the ringing of the bell. And then when the bell stopped ringing, I asked you to start picturing, where are you going? Like, what's next? What are experiences you want to call into your life that will end up as a snapshot in the wall? And so it's like visiting your future self. It's like the the ghosts of Christmas, past, present, and future, right? And... I think there's something really powerful about that visualization and about that 
um, meditation. But I also think that on an energetic level, it's really cool to be here and to feel light and to feel free to call in and go play. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's okay. So now like, okay, you leave and you've done this amazing work. The energy has shifted. Um, what do you tell people in terms of holding on to it mm. and maintaining it? And, and maybe it's not holding on, but it's continually moving it forward. Yeah. So I, hopefully I'm going to keep in touch with these people and hear how things are going. I always say, keep in touch with me. Let me know what's going on. If you have a question, reach out, you know, I really ask people to sit in a place of positive expectation that during the next few days, weeks, and months, I usually see that the initial splash ripples out and calls some cool stuff back in. And the clearer your intention is and the, the, mo the more purposeful work you've done, the more those results are just really uh, phenomenal and clear. So the first job that you have is to like complete your tasks, like work through them, um, finish the things we talked about, you know, let's get some of these books back up and organized and um, let's see how your space feels. Listen to your space and sit in that positive expectation that something good's about to happen. <laughs> right. I mean, you and I resonate with that philosophy so deeply. The next step will take care of itself. Like if you have a party, something funky goes down, you know, somebody invites somebody and it's a little bit weird. That's when you can like do a little ceremony of your own. Use a little sage, use a little Palo Santo, a little incense, whatever. Right. And, uh, that's enough. What we did was release the accumulation of years of buildup. So like, man, when I go into a heavy place where tragedy has occurred, or if I go into like a chemo ward, the energy of clearing that out, it can be really intense. This place, you know, it's pretty awesome. You know, you've attracted a good spot here. We went through and we cleared out some cobwebs. We cleared out some dust. But uh, I just can't wait to see what's next. I'm really pumped for you, man. Oh, thanks, man. Okay, so you know how we like to finish these things off. I, I want to hear your reaction to a couple things. Um, okay. First, you just took me through this process. I went through this. It was awesome. It was a roller coaster. Um, so I want to know first... What do you feel like when these things are done? Because you're wearing all my stuff at the same time. You know, I, um, I feel great right now. Like, I love doing this. I love what I do. And I feel lit up by the process. So moving energy around makes me feel tingly, warm, awake, uh, vibrant, and uh, ready. So, you know... Yeah, there's a physical demand. Like I needed to get a glass of water. Like we needed to take a, a moment, right? But overall, this stuff, um, the energy of it really does fill me from within. And then it feels like it's coming from overflow. So I don't know if that starts to answer your question, but I'm feeling really awesome right now. So we talked about in part one of this podcast, the, the duality of your life, mm -hmm. right? The Ariel and the Joe, right? And yeah. now you're getting it to really be one. Um, I'd love to know how you would describe a full life. I think a full life is having 
a clear vision and a journey that is fulfilling as any reward as stops along the way. And people to really celebrate the little and the big moments. So direction, a journey of, of joy and like a means of transport that are fulfilling and, and community and people to, to love and break bread with. This analogy we use uh, with every guest we've had on this podcast, um, talk about an inner flame that we all have. You just said that you're charging right now. You're feeling great. If you had to take a step back, you almost get outside of your body, and you got to look at you and your flame right now, hmm. what, what's it like? Is it charging and roaring? Does it need a new log? Does it need to get the couch moved around? You know, how, how would you describe it? it I, I feel like I've come out of a long introspective process. I think I've shared with you just how grateful I am that you came into my life at the time that you did, because some of the things we powwow about over chai lattes <laughs> and some of the things that I get to listen to in these podcasts of you and some of our mutual friends, I feel like I've gone through so much lonely work, so much grad school, so much inner tectonic plate shifting. And it's really confusing because I had to let go ashore and I was a little lost. And now I feel like there's a clarity emerging and that shore's coming up. And it doesn't matter to me if I'm on screen, if I'm on stage, if I'm coaching someone up, if I'm moving stuff around. My passion seems to be telling stories and transforming the energy in a room. So whether that's telling a joke, whether that's performing a dramatic scene, or whether that's shifting someone's furniture, I love stories about fighting the good fight. I love the battle of the light and the darkness. I love the optimistic lifestyle. I love telling stories about all those things. And, you know, I've really, the, the, the journey of doing this thing that I love is the reward, the gratitude I feel, the gratification that I feel. I'm already full. And then if anything else happens to come back, because maybe we believe in this principle of karma and, you know, like attracts like, that's awesome. That feels like a bonus. But right now, I definitely feel like I'm charging in this direction because I have this newfound clarity and so much gratefulness. You're in a world that um, can be completely the opposite. One, in the feng shui communities we've just seen in this place, it's limitless. You live in another world where you get tried to, you know, they put you in a box. Oh, you're too tall. You're too short. You're too this. You're too that. Yeah. You're just a little too young. Yeah, just not enough dark enough. Yeah, your hair's a little... How do you feel and how do you deal with the term limits. I love that you have this as part of the conversation. It's obviously the title of the podcast. And I've been thinking about this moment of whether it came up with us talking in the podcast or at a cafe and, and talking that way about it. I actually think limits are important. We have a limit to how much blood can pump through our heart. We have a limit to our skin. Like there are certain limitations that happen as a boundary, only as a boundary. However, what this podcast is about and the lifestyle that I think you and I are both really deeply fulfilled by is one where we push those boundaries, where we test it, where we go beyond it. We say that might be where I am today, but it's only a limit of our mind, right? So there's some things like I haven't found a way yet to use the force. I haven't found a way to defy gravity. It doesn't mean I'm not trying. I've been trying since I wore my Superman cape standing in the cliffs of the commune that I grew up in from two and a half to four. But, you know, it doesn't mean I'm not going to keep trying. But there's this idea of limits, like sometimes, okay, Roger Bannister, 
You know Roger Bannister? No. You might have heard his story even if you don't remember his name. Roger Bannister was this English runner. And he was supposed to be, you know, like the, the, the guy who was going to bring home the gold for his country in the Olympics. And this might have been the 1940s. I'm forgetting the exact year. And nobody up until that point had ever run a four-minute mile. But Roger Bannister was competing. And he was competing his heart out. And he actually did some other games prior to the Olympics. And he burned himself out. Like he, he was training the best he could, but he was giving it all. And so he only brought home like the bronze or the silver. And he like let down his whole country. So he was feeling the weight of the shoulders. And he thought, this has never been done. Four-minute mile has never been done. So he put it to the test. And he broke the four-minute mile. And within a year, two other people in other parts of the world broke the four-minute mile. And part of it for those people is, were they drafting on him? Or did he create a new M field, a new what they call morphogenic field, a new field of possibility? And so I love the idea that we can figure out what a boundary is, figure out what a limit is, and then push it, move the needle. So I'm sort of a fan of both, if that makes sense. Like I kind of want to know what my edge of growth is so I know how to push past it. Yeah, well... The thing that's great about you is that you are this flame that people are attracted to and lean in, whether it's in classes you're coaching or friends like me or people you meet on the street. I've seen you in all three elements. And I, I think that there's there's a beauty to that of you, you embrace the you embrace the limits and you and you want to get pushed to go past them. And I think that is the beauty of you know, finding kindred spirits, you know, finding guided missiles, finding people to make it uncomfortable. There are times tonight, as we went through this feng shui, well, rewind, there was times in part one of our podcast that maybe you were uncomfortable by a question. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed that. There were definitely times tonight when you feng shui my place and my life where I was uncomfortable. And you clearly enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. Not in a malicious way, but this is where growth happens. And yeah. it's almost at the edge of uncomfortable or when you are uncomfortable is when that can occur. And... uh I've seen you do it in so many realms. That's why I'm so intrigued by this conversation. It's great to get my place shwayed. Yeah. Badass. But to be able to understand and go inside the mind of somebody that lives in a world where you are told who you are and the box you fit in, and you've you've excelled there. I mean, mm -hmm. you're still going to go kick ass. And then this other world you've excelled in where there are zero limitations. And who who can live that way? That is such a powerful thing that I hope, I, I hope and I, I assume you're you're aware of that. Thanks, dude. I mean, I, I don't know if that comes from like a deep place of mischief within me where if I see like somebody's trying to put me in a box I don't want to be in, I'm hearing Kevin Carroll in my, my mind, but like, I'm going to show you. Yeah. Like, I, I felt that ever since I was little. Like, let me show you. You know, um, if, if I saw people auditioning and at a certain point, like the coolest thing about auditioning in high school is that we all got to watch each other audition. It wasn't like go in silently. So you could learn from other people. Mm. Some people borrowed and stealed soul from other people. Some people built on those ideas. Um, some people noticed somebody was doing the same thing, like four or five people doing the same thing. So I'm going to do, I'm going to hook left. So there's just that spirit of like mischief. That's all I can really say. Like, like playful mischief. It's not malicious, but it's like, is that really true? Right. <laughs> is that really all that I am and that I can be? You know, and I, I think that I've always been really curious about like what else is possible. Yeah. Well, life is a great game. Yeah. Right. And if you're not playing and charging and smiling, then you're going to miss a snap. You're going to miss a play. You're going to miss a bucket. And I have to. Yeah. You know? We all have. Yeah. Right. 
Dude, I can't thank you enough. Um, how, how can people stay in touch with you, find you, watch you, etc.? Yeah, I mean, if there's a coffee shop with an avocado toast, I'm probably <laughs> in it. Um, but if they don't want to be a stalker, they could just find me on social. Um, they can find me on Twitter. Like you said, I've got multiple uh, hats. So at the feng shui guy or at me, Joe Town, you know, tweet at me, Joe Town. Um, yeah, or come check out a class, you know, virtual, in person, whatever. Uh, I'm so grateful to you. I'm so grateful that you create purposeful space for meaningful conversation. Uh. I'm so grateful that you celebrate people's stories and that you're such a good friend. You show up and you just, you don't just show up and clock in. Like you show up like you do everything in life. And this is such a joy to have this conversation with you. We're like in your floor, <laughs> we in the are. midst of your newly shred <laughs> space. Oh. And it's been epic. And I am really, you know, I'm grateful to you, brother. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Well, we make sure all of Joe's contact info is in the blog post so you can take a class, observe a class, and find the pictures of his avocado toast on his Instagram or Twitter <laughs> page. <laughs> Thanks a lot, man. Absolutely. Bro. Lots of love. I really, uh, this is a not a game changer. This Tonight was a life changer. And if you're a skeptic, um, you're wrong. I'm just going to tell you. Uh, shway your life. Shway your place. Shway it up, man. We're shwaying for days over here. I'm, I'm going to use shway, I think, as a, in broadcasting this year. Like, this it. dude, shway, is <laughs> on point right now as this guy just mosses somebody in the end zone. So get ready, Pac-12 Network. It's coming. Shway happens. <laughs> All right, man. Lots of love. Thanks for coming.